welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Playing. It is the second to last episode of the season, so it's coming to an end slowly. But this week we are in Berlin, which is now hopefully getting into spring. I would hope so. And I'm going over to visit my friend Christo. Hi, Christo. Hi, Ralph. How are you? I'm very well. And how are you on this Sunday? I am good. Spring doesn't really, you know, show uh, yet, but uh, yeah, we're definitely getting there. I mean, yesterday was really sunny, but today it's kind of raining, so hopefully it's going to improve. Well, that's been like this whole spring. It's like warm, cold, warm, cold. It can't really make up its mind. This is like, this is Berlin for you. This is Berlin spring. That's what we get. It's like, you know, the, the temperature goes up like a couple of degrees and we're like, yeah, let's go to the lake. And then it's freezing. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's bring into the, the questions. Uh, what do you prefer? I call you name, pronouns and title. Uh, Christo, uh... I, any pronoun, really, and uh, no title. And no title? No title. Okay, cool. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, so I am a Greek transplant in Berlin. I've been living here for the past 11 years, so more than a decade. Um, I've been sober for two years and two months and um, what else and I'm into rope I'm a rigger you're a rigger yeah fantastic fantastic and uh, completely sober clear-headed or a social drinker you've already kind of mentioned it but yeah yeah no for me there are really no halfways because so i i know that the second that i'm gonna let go and i'm gonna be like okay so maybe i can have a drink like before i know it i'm gonna be like using hitting the pipe again so i'm staying away i'm not a normie i've acknowledged that i am not a normie and i cannot use or drink socially altogether a while ago and you know i'm sticking with it if it ain't broken don't fix it Fantastic, fantastic. And well done on the two years and two months. That's amazing. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> what is clear play to you and why is it important? The real clear, clear play is like being 100% present. So while I was using, uh, I spent a lot of time trying to be absent. You know, my body was like all over the place. My mind was also all over the place. So now that I'm clean, it's all about being there. I cannot even play with people that are using or, you know, that are drinking because a part of me is like, you know, you're not 100% there, like I'm touching you, but like, do you feel this? Do you feel the rope like around you? So, yeah, real clear play for me is like abs- abstinence from, from everything. And I'm a bit like absolute when it comes to that. Yeah, it can be challenging, especially if you go, not that any of us remember at this point, going to a club and so on, and you are interested in a guy and he's either high or drunk. What do you do with a person like that? And it, it's, it's slightly awkward as a sober person to go into that environment. 
for example, like you are, you're in Berlin, and I'm sure a lot of the viewers will know places like Bergen and so on, which can be a lot of fun, but it's also a very tricky environment to navigate. Absolutely, absolutely. So right before I, actually in the beginning, when I first decided that I'm going to stop using and I'm going to start like uh, stop drinking, I I decided to go to um, snacks. And for those of you who don't know what snacks is, it's um, Berkein, which is the biggest and more successful like club in Europe, or it has been for a very long time, uh, opens its doors with the uh, basement, which is a sex club. And all of a sudden, like, you know, you have a three floor uh, <laughs> building, industrial like uh, building, turned into a sex club. Uh, and I decided to go there. Uh, right and I went there sober and it was the first time I've been going there for like four years it happens twice a year and it was the first time that I went there sober and in a way it helped me a lot in uh, in my recovery <laughs> because all of a sudden I went there and I realized you know they were like really hot guys beautiful people uh, coming up to me like you know with one eye looking there and the other one like looking like in a totally different direction and I'm like back in the day I'm like I was like that and yeah it was a, a complete turn off and uh, it's, that, yeah. it's 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 weird when you go into a setting you were used to going into either drunk or high and all of a sudden you see all of a sudden you're taking those rose-tinted glasses off and you just see, not that this is not me shaming people who still do it and of, of course have your fun, but it looks a lot more messy when you're sober Absolutely. and you know um, and you know what's going on and you can just see everything's going on and like you said, the eyes are looking 10 different directions when they're trying to look at you. Um, and you kind of go, it's like, I used to find this as attractive in a guy. Mm -hmm. I definitely don't anymore. Uh, and it's it... something that that is, uh, you know, that uh, I find it really interesting because the fact that, you know, those like rose glasses that you mentioned before, you know, the second that they were off, like I didn't feel triggered. And that is something mm -hmm. that really changed for me. I used to think, so they say, you know, that the mind of an addict is a very dangerous neighborhood to be in. And and every time that I would think about it, uh, I would think to myself like, oh, no, I could never go back then because, you know, I used to use there and I have all these memories. So like I was like playing this tape in my head thinking like, oh, why it could go wrong. And then the second that I was there, I'm like, nope, thank you very much. Nope. It's not going to work for me. I still stayed, you know, I still had fun, but I mm. didn't, I didn't feel triggered because I, I saw what before I wasn't able to see. And also it's really interesting because uh, recently I went through my phone and I started deleting uh, videos and photos from back in the day. And the, I saw a couple of videos that I, I, I swear to God, back then I thought I was like, mm, I'm the shit, look at me. And then like, look at the videos, I'm like, fucking hell, that exists in the cloud. Like, you know, people could see this, like, delete permanently. Yeah, I'd, I, I must admit, and this is 
I think I did it in lockdown. Uh, I had a, a separate folder on my computer with questionable videos, if you could say, from my past. And for some reason, I hadn't been able to let them go. Not that I looked at them, because that would be massively triggering, because I was very high in those videos. But it, it, it's, it was first now I'd been okay to go, I can delete these. I don't need them in my life. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was quite liberating and kind of letting go of that past because I used to use those videos as my own porn because I thought I looked so hot in these videos. Um, I didn't, yeah. it was messy. It was not very attractive. Uh, and I'm quite happy they're not, they, they don't exist anymore because it's, it's just a, I don't want to forget my past, but it's, it's also, it's a part of my past and why would I look at these videos anyway at this point? I mean, there is something that, you know, that I often say to like to my sponsors and like that is something that I realized I was lucky to realize quite early in my recovery that um, the, 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 the further you move away from the point in your life where using was like so ugly and so painful the further you move away from that point, the less ugly it seems. So, you know, if if it wasn't for these videos, in my head, I would still be like, oh, yeah, but I was so sexy. When in fact, you know, I was like, I was a hot mess. Not even hot. I was a sweaty mess. I wasn't a hot mess. <laughs> uh, so it's a good thing, you know, that these videos are there. And, you know, if, if I think about it, uh, it took me a long, long time, like two years, more than two years, to actually like start deleting these videos. And the reason, again, that it took me so long is because in my head, I'm like, oh, but what if I see something, you know, and I get triggered? When in fact, you know, reality, it's the story that we tell ourselves, when in fact reality was like, no, 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 I need to see this, like to confirm that I'm in the right path. Absolutely. Sometimes we need a, a stark reminder of our past. And that's, that's if, if we're talking like uh, going to 12-step groups and so on, that is also where, where newcomers helps people have longer clean time because it's also a reminder to us where we came from and where we don't want to go back to again. Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 a, it's a healthy reminder that, and then like going to a club, seeing people like gurning and sweating and not looking very sexy is also a massive reminder that is not what I want to be doing anymore. Um, all fun for them if they want to have that kind of fun, but I don't need that anymore. Um, so you mentioned you are a Greek transplant or... Uh, <laughs> I love that word transplant. I never heard that before. As I mentioned, it's like I was just—I was just called myself an immigrant. But uh, so, how long have you been in Berlin? I've been in Berlin for eleven years now. For for eleven, 11 years, really, really long years, long messy years. Um, and yeah, I—I I honestly, right before, like uh, three years, around three years ago, I thought to myself, like. I probably need to move away from Berlin because like if if I was being honest with myself like the thoughts that were going through my head is like I uh, I fucked everyone that, that I wanted to fuck 
<laughs> you know. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm like, uh, people like hate me. The people that don't hate me, I hate. Because obviously, you know, being in active addiction, really messy. Um, mm. So I'm like, you know, what else is here? Um, and it's been like two, for the past two years, the, the second that I got clean, it was like literally uh, the veil parted in a way. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I not know about this city that I've been living for, like, you know, for the past like nine years? So, yeah, I've been living in Berlin for the past 11 years, but like, honestly, uh, I only started experiencing the city and literally living in the city for the past uh, couple of years. So, were, if, if I may ask, were you using before you moved to Berlin or is, or is that something that happened in Berlin? I have been using... So, I started my story in a nutshell. So, I have been working in clubs and in bars since I was 16. But uh, I didn't drink back then, you know, I didn't do anything. And I was being like, yes, I'm going to serve it, but I'm not going to participate in it. Um, and I've been in parties where like, you know, they would like pass the drugs like this and I'd be like, mm, no, thank you. Um, and then when at some point, you know, when I turned 19, I thought to myself like, what the hell, I may as well try. So I, I was a, a recreational user back then. So, you know, I would do it like, you know, once every two months or, you know, once every mm -hmm. like, you know, three months. Um, when I lived in London, I, I was doing it like literally like once every two months with my partner at the time uh, and by it I mean like again recreational like you know some MDMA like you know again super like dangerous because they're gateway drugs like you know in my opinion but like but it was still under control and mm. the, and then when I um, around 12 years ago uh, it started to be problematic because I started like all the rules that I had set down, I started like breaking them. So, you know, one of the rules that I had is like, you know, never use or never, you know, again, it was like sort of like the rules that I had never use unless you're in a good mood, never use because you want to get in a good mood because chances are, you know, that it's not going to take you like a good, uh, a good, a good places. And uh, at some point I broke that. Uh, another, you know, rule that I had was like um, to, uh, and it's a stupid rule, I know, but it was like never pay for it because for some reason, like you know, if somebody like you know offers you, no, no, you no, I fully, I fully get that, I fully get it, I completely get that. It's like I don't want my own dealer because that's yes. becoming a problem. Then. Yes. Yeah, 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 I fully get that. So, you know, another, uh, it was like, as long as somebody like, you know, gives it to you, you're just being like, you know, social. But the second that you know that you're going to start buying it, you know, that becomes problematic. And the last rule that they broke is that uh, I thought to myself, even when I was like, you know, neck deep already into like using, uh, hold on, give me a second. Uh, so... Even when I was like, you know, uh, neck deep in using, I uh, I thought that I would never uh, inject because I'm like, you know, everything is fine and, you know, like it's already problematic as it is. The second that I'm going to need to like, you know, to 
to violate myself and like the violet was like was going back then because right now it's like it's full mm -hmm. of violation regardless how you do it but the second you know that i have to do this like that is too much and i broke that rule as well and and before i knew it like you know anything was game um so yeah for, but it became really really hard to control like for the past like the, the, the last five years of my using. I ended up being like homeless uh, in that period. I ended up, you know, um, lying like, you know, that my life depended on it. You know, I ended up like doing like much, much worse things that, you know, that, uh, yeah, I don't really feel comfortable yet talking about, but yeah. <sighs> oh, well, thank you for sharing. It's, it's, it's not, it's sometimes these stories can be very, very hard to talk about and it's, it's, it's a part of us and it, it will always be a part of us. It's, it's, I definitely have my stories where I'm not, I'm not proud of it. And it's just, yeah, especially also it, it was the turning point when you start injecting and it's, it's, it's one of those things that just happens. And like you say, gateway stuff and you just kind of, it merges into one weekend to another. And then all of a sudden you're stuck in a, in a, in a merry-go-round when Absolutely. it comes to drug taking. Absolutely. You know, like, first of all, as I said before, first of all, it would start like, oh, no, I'm going to do it, like, you know, every, uh, you know, two months. Then it became every other weekend. Then it became every weekend. Then before you knew it, like, you know, it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And before you knew it, it was like, it was Thursday. And if it's Thursday, why not start, you know, like on, on Tuesday? Oh, I... I used to keep a calendar to just see, um, okay, I'm doing this this weekend, so I need this recovery time so I can do drugs there. And that seemed very reasonable to me to yeah. keep a calendar around my drug taking because I didn't want to be completely horrible when I'm with normal friends because it takes me five days to recover. So I was kind of calculating that. I also at one point, which was to try controlling it, was I kept a list of how much I used, how many lines, how many bumps, how many pills, how many slams. I also kept a list on who I was safe with and who I wasn't safe with. <laughs> I still have those lists, um, <laughs> which is, is, a, is, is a good reminder to myself where I came from. Um, it, it, to start with, that tool kind of worked for me to kind of measure how much I was doing and it kind of put it in perspective. But as you know, with everything, it's it's... It works to start with, and then it just doesn't work, and then you do it anyway, and then you just keep going. So, there was, so, uh, so uh, tell me. I just wanted to yeah, say that go, you go, know, go. It, I just want to say that it's really funny because the things that you know that I would use as a way to measure myself, so you know, like how much I used, or you know, uh, you know, the quantities or like the frequency. In the beginning, like we're like, okay, so I have to to be careful not to go over the limit. And after a while, it's sort of like, after a while, I think that you know that the uh, that the change came like this. Uh, it became like a sort of like a, like a contest with myself. If that if that makes sense, I'm like, oh, last time you know, no, 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 I can take more than you, and. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 that was supposed to be, you know, your, your, <laughs> you know, your safety net, you know, you shouldn't like go against it, but like, it's the mind of the alcoholic, uh, the, the, well, I call it the alcoholic mind, but it's, you know, it's the addict mind, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, you, you, your your uh, limit keeps moving. The goalpost keep, keep, keeps getting moved, and it's just what happens. Um, so you've been two years and two months sober and clear-headed. Uh, well done, you, which is yeah. amazing. Um, what brought you to that point? What 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 made the change? What helped you to get to this point now? I wish I could say that you know that I had that I had an epiphany and I was like, oh no, I see the light. But the reason is like it's much more um, superficial. So I was uh, injecting and I had run out of spots to shoot. Uh, so I was the kind of person who was like I was super persistent. So I was the person you know that I would go to the sex party and. Uh, people would be like already engaging, you know, like, you know, playing and I would be like, no, no, no. And I would just be like a bloody mess. So at some point I just decided that, okay, this is it. And also, you know, this is a testament to how, um, how nuts I was because I thought to myself like, this is it, you know, I don't have any more veins. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to stop for a week because as we know, veins grow like in trees, you know, and like in a week I would be like completely new. I would have a new circulatory system. Uh, so I stopped for a, for a week and what there was there was really something interesting that started happening then. I started enjoying not being high. I've been high for so long and as I said, you know, especially like towards uh, at the end, I was using daily and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't even, um, it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't like, oh, what we're going to do is that I'm going to uh, use and I'm going to go have sex. You know, the, these were like, you know, the good, like the, the good days, the good opportunities. It was me in my room uh, using, uh, crying by myself, crying for seven to eight hours and then repeating. So I really enjoyed that first week when... I I was okay and that was like you know that was a luxury for me to spend like a whole week where I was like oh look at that you know no need to cry like you know no no drama no nothing <coughs> so that that happened and it's, that, it's like the drugs were causing the problems right it's like <laughs> who would have thought you know i would tell people like you know oh my god i feel horrible like my whole body is aching like you know and i'm having so many problems and, and they would be like you know uh, maybe it's a drugs i'm like no 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 it's probably something i ate like completely like completely uh, uh like oblivious to the truth and uh so at some point, like a small parenthesis, at some point I was, uh, like, m you know, many of us, I, I tried to kill myself at some point and I was hospitalized and after spending, I spent like, you know, uh, two weeks in suicide watch and then, um, the, the doctor, like, you know, and it was obvious, it was clear. I told them, you know, about the drugs and blah, blah, blah. But I was mostly telling them, like, you know, the reason, like, you know, my, my ex was, like, mean to me and all that stuff. Like, I was telling them my story. And then when the doctor said, like, okay, but for us to keep on treating you, you have to stop using drugs. <coughs> and, and I remember thinking to myself, like, and I didn't just think it to myself. I said it out loud. I'm like... But drugs aren't my problem. Are you not listening? 
It's like, <laughs> how could I know? <laughs> it's 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 like it was so obvious for some reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, like I'm like, how could I not see this? How could I've known? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it was like staring in my face, but never mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so when when you became sober, and I know I definitely from my own story. Um, fetish could be trick, uh, like triggering or uh, problematic. Did you find navigating your sex drive with not having the drugs in your system difficult? And did it? How did you manage that? So, I was sober for three months before I, and during these three months, I was completely, um, I was not thinking about sex because obviously, you know sex and drugs came together so like you know take away the drugs like you know the sex was and the sex drive wasn't there um so one at some point like after three months it was like it was my like my my conscious consciously i thought to myself like oh <coughs> i'm like oh i haven't had sex for like for three months i'm gonna try to do it <clears throat> and that was before i came into the rooms so i was a couple of weeks before or like maybe like a week before I decided to you know to have sex uh, my flatmate who I was living with for a year and a half had um, a, a psychotic episode and he had to be hospitalized and nothing keeps you like further away from drugs as you know having to put a pot like you know under the ass of your like you know closest friend until that point uh, to take care of him um so once that happened i was like already i want nothing to do with drugs because it was like you know a drug uh, induced uh, psychotic episode so mm -hmm. i was very clear in my head i'm like i'm not gonna do drugs drugs bad and then the second that i decided to to have sex i met with a guy and uh everything was like really really cool and then the thought like hit me like a like a fucking thunder like like I'm like I need drugs and that was that really brought me to my knees I'm like everything you know in my in my sane well sane uh, mind told me you know that drugs bad and still like you know when the thought came I'm like I don't know how to handle this so uh, obviously you know after that I started going to the rooms and I also completely uh, like disassociated from my sexuality and to the point where I I spent the first time that, that I found myself in a room with like you know with other men <coughs> where one of them like you know took his shirt off I had a panic attack because I, I was like okay what, what does this mean where is it gonna take me like I was completely um unprepared for something like that so obviously fetish did not appear until like you know after my first year so i stayed sober for the first uh, sober and celibate for the first year and it was after that when i when i started like re-engaging with my sexuality that fetish kink and drugs were like separated enough 
for me to be like, okay, so this is bad, this is the bad part of it, and this is the good part of it. And that's mm. how it started. That's how I managed to navigate, like, you know, like baby steps. I'm still not 100% sure, you know, that, that I got it right. And, you know, and that was actually um, something that really worried me about, you know, doing this today because I'm like, you know, I'm still a newbie to this. Like, you know, I've only been doing it like for a year. Uh, but then I thought to myself, like, you know, even if I, even if it just been a year, like I'm still a kingster at heart. So, well, to, to be honest, it, I don't think it matters how long or how new, or if you're an old timer, it, I think you still always learn new stuff. And also doing these podcasts, um, I've had people write to me where they kind of like, oh, your guest said and this and this, and I really related to it. So there might be someone just sitting oh, I've only been doing it a year as well. Maybe I should listen to this guy because he might have some 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 information I might be able to use. So I, no matter where you're on your journey, I, I think it's 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 important to be open and honest and, and just kind of just say how it is because I think there is not enough sober fetish role models, yeah. especially in Europe. Yeah. There's not enough of them. Um, where, yeah, I find, you know, that, uh, it's, we tend to live like in this picture perfect sort of like, we tend to go for this picture perfect sort of like role models in a way <coughs> for, for the people that, um, no, 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 everything is like this or everything is like that. But the matter of fact is that, you know, life just as, you know, fetish life or just like you know sobriety like it's fucking messy so it, like I, oh yeah I, there is absolutely no reason for me like that is something that i was actually talking with my sponsor a while ago um like there is absolutely no reason for me to come here and be like no everything is perfect like everything like because <laughs> it fucking isn't you know like we just do the best we can like you know day in day out and you know that's all that should matter so if somebody you know relates to something that uh, that they say it's probably you know we relate through our uh, we don't relate through our message only we also relate through our mess mostly i find <laughs> so i hope somebody can relate to my mess oh <laughs> I'm I'm now three and a half years down the line and there's still things I don't understand. So don't worry, it's just what it is and it's 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 nice to hear that you've been able to split it. Uh because I know when when chems and drug taking is so integrated with our fetish lives, it's so hard to pull them apart because all of a sudden a smell and a taste or a touch becomes a trigger. I know of guys who can't be around guys smoking cigars because that's a trigger. Yeah. Um, I, for the longest time, couldn't stand the smell of rubber or leather because it would be a trigger, which is absolutely awful for me because, as you can tell, leather is a big part of, of my life. Really? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, so... As soon as that was split, it, it's, it was such a, a nice feeling being able to touch lever and actually enjoy it for what it was and not what I would do in it. Um, and it, it's funny you mentioned that you, you say, 
or you wish you could say you had an epiphany and that's how you stopped. For me, when when I stopped was because <laughs> this is it's 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 slightly controversial, but I went on anti-anxiety medication, so mm -hmm. it took my sex drive away. So it also took my drive to use drugs away. Yeah. Because it was so connected. Um, of course, I'd done a lot of work and also to come to that place. But still, it was a big factor. All of a sudden, I didn't have this nagging horniness all the time that was so connected to using drugs. So it just gave me the space to allow me to have the time of not using and, and, and recovering from it. I'm now, uh, I came off the anti-anxiety medications last year to kind of figure out, it's a good thing to do that in lockdown, tell, I can tell you that, uh, but, but it, was, it was also to figure out where is my brain at now? Mm -hmm. am, am I okay? Because I suffer with massive anxiety, I had mild depression at the time, and because I've been using drugs for so long, I didn't know how to navigate my own emotions that being extremely happiness or extreme sadness or anger or so on. Because as everyone knows, when they come into recovery, when your emotions come back, they don't form an orderly cue. Oh, no, no. They come all at once. And it's hard when you've been numbing your emotions for so long to navigate them. So having this medication I was on for almost three years just kind of made it more manageable and not all consuming. And I could do a lot of work on myself as well and how to react. Now, do I still get anxiety? Do I still get depressed? Absolutely. But I also know what to do with it. Yes. I know that if I'm depressed one day, it's okay to be in my bed the whole day watching Netflix. That is perfectly fine because I might feel better the next day. Uh, if it had been before that and I hadn't done all the work, my reaction would have been... I know how to fix this. Let me go out and have sex and use drugs. You see, that is something that, that I find that it's the biggest problem or the biggest challenge, if you like, not problem, the biggest challenge with, like, with getting sober. Because while you use, you know, you there is a pill or there is a substance for anything. You know, oh, I want mm -hmm. to feel, you know, I, I want to feel happy. I'm going to take this. I want to feel down. I'm going to take this. I want to feel sexual. I'm going to take this. <coughs> you know, I want to, you know, to feel better about myself. Like, you know, I'm going to use sex, like, which is something, you know, that, that I did like, yeah, uh, a lot. So like as a, as a sort of like a, a currency. And then when you get sober, you go like, oh shit, you know, I cannot just be like, you know, I cannot just take something right now and like feel it I, the only way out is through i have to like you know to stay with my emotions i have to like you know like map them in a way i have to like you know to to go through them to experience them and then possibly like learn something out of it so the next time that is going to happen because it's going to happen again you know i it's it's a bit easier to navigate so yeah i think that this is like the biggest challenge being able to to change your mindset <coughs> I like honestly I when I quit using drugs I had like you know cravings like maybe like a handful of times in the in these past years um the biggest challenge for me was when I decided to quit smoking because smoking was like you know every single I've day I've heard that before I've heard that before yeah I've heard that before 
there hasn't been one day like you know I'm I, I'm without uh, cigarettes now for the past like almost a year and a half. Uh, there hasn't been one day in the first year that I didn't think to myself like, oh shit, I need a cigarette. And that is uh, the reason uh, for that is because like cigarettes like had a sort of like a function in my life. You know, like I could take a cigarette every time that I was stressed and then all of a sudden, you know, mm -hmm. like I wasn't stressed anymore. So like being able to let that go, to let, you know, to completely let go. Uh, it, it was like you know it was the biggest challenge for me and still until today like you know I fight with um, like all of a sudden I'm gonna feel like you know I feel bad about something that happened and I find myself like you know until three o'clock in the apps like looking for something and I know that I'm not gonna hook up because it's like because it's three fucking o'clock like at, you know, on a Tuesday mm -hmm. And the people you know that are online are not the kind of people that they're going to hook up with. And, and you know, why am I doing it? It's still, it's the same mindset. Like, you know, I, I don't want to feel my feelings and I have to snap out of it. Yeah. It's hard to See, get rid of, but I, it's, it's It's weird with, with like the apps and so on. I, I, I have to admit at some point, some days I do fall into the, the app hole and I just sit like this. For hours on end and I'm not getting anywhere and I don't really want to do anything I, I, I think it's more a question of instant validation from someone yeah um, and and like with everything else it's you kind of have to think about what is my reasoning behind this am I trying to make myself feel better or is it just to add to I already feel great so I I'm a little bit horny and I want to have sex but in most cases, it is an escapism. It's it's trying to make fix something with something external, and that can be problematic. So I'm I'm very mindful of using the apps because I need to be using them the right way, if there is a right way anyway. But it's it's what is my reasoning behind trying to hook up with someone online is it because i feel like shit and i want someone to validate me or is it because i'm horny and that's fair enough uh, i think that the key word is uh, what you said mindful you know mm -hmm. many many times you know when i first uh, started when i first redownloaded the apps <coughs> i was very aware that i was doing it like you know for self-validation like I'm like I'm not yet in the in the mindset of like you know of just like fucking around like there's no tomorrow, um, but I would it would still be nice you know to to see like you know where I am and to get like some validation, um, mm. so you know I started doing this but like being very mindful and also like very often I'm gonna find myself like. Not just with the apps, like you know, in in anything. Like there was a time when uh, when a friend of mine passed uh, because of uh, drugs, and I was still using. It was like before I stopped using, and mm. I went on a binge for like for a week, where I was going from fuck day to fuck day to fuck day. I went on like on a on a crazy bender, like in an attempt to just like to you know, not feel my feelings and. You know, I, I want to believe, you know, that uh, that it all played a part in me being where I am today. But you know, um, yeah. No, it's 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 it's. I think like for a lot of recovering addicts, especially people who 
engaged in fetish life and so on, we have to we have to question our actions quite a lot. It's like, why am I doing these things? Is this healthy for me? Um, and and not not that we have to be paranoid about our actions all the time, but it is it is reasonable to go okay should i be going to this guy's house am i in the right frame of mind is this the smart move and i think a lot of people do that uh, when they're in recovery yeah like i was uh, yesterday was with uh, with two of my best friends from uh, from the rooms and we were uh, walking in this park and like, i started telling this story that you know for some reason in my head that story was like completely like oh yeah you know this thing happened over there and like I could have been killed you know like and like looking back I'm like there's a bunch of times that you know I don't know why I'm still here I did some like some crazy stupid things you know I I hang out with like with people that you know I really shouldn't and um, yeah, it was uh, trying to numb out, you know, the, the my internal monologue in a way. I never thought that in the process I would like, you know, tone down all everything else that was dangerous as well. Mm. Mm. Um, and yeah, I I don't know why we do it, and I don't really know how we do it. At this stage mm. of the game, you know, if I see someone who is like, I think that I am blessed. I can tell crazy from a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now, now somebody says like, you know, something like, uh, and I'm like, oh no, 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 this is bad for me. But there was this <laughs> because I can tell you know where it's going to take me. But there was this time, especially when I first came into the rooms. That the second that I would, you know, I would be sitting like that, and like I would see somebody walking through the door, and I would go like, "Who is that?" Automatically, I knew, you know, and it took me a while to to know what to do with that information, like you know, to be told. But the second that I would see someone walking through the door, and I would be like, "Husband," I knew that that person was a newcomer, <laughs> a newcomer, and a person, you know, with like you know, with more issues than Bob. <laughs> but back then I didn't know what yeah. to do with the information. Yeah, yeah. So so I know you mentioned to me that you are now a rope enthusiast. I need I'm not even gonna say the name you said it was because I know the name but I don't know how you pronounce it. So it's called Shibari. Shibari, that's yeah. what it is, yes. So So when did you get into that? I think it happened, like, it, it was the first thing, uh, the first fetish that, like, that started manifesting. So, uh, I, I got very much into uh, somatic experiences. And that is just like, you know, not being in my head, just like full on, uh, like, living, like, let experience in things with my body. Um, and I tend to be like a very, like, when it comes to sex, when it comes to interaction, I tend to stay a lot in my head. So, mm. uh, when I first started like experimenting with ropes, first of all, I was a photographer for like, you know, for more than a decade. So, aesthetically, it was like, 
it was like you know a hard on for the brain for the brain seeing like you know uh, uh, someone tied up like so beautifully and also I realized that uh, it also felt a little bit like a hug when, when I started doing it um, mm-hmm. and like later on I came you know to find that the reason that that works is because it simulates the parasympathetic like nervous system so it's like it's the equivalent when you have when you tie someone when you are tied it's kind of like you have like a weight blanket on you it kind of feels like you know like, like a hug uh, yeah, and that was like the first uh, thing that uh, that came up. And so far, you know, obviously, like I like my leather, which is like, uh, you know, how long has it been? It's been like you know, a while now that we're talking, and I haven't mentioned that I'm vegan. <laughs> so I want this, I want this to be like something that works like you know to to vegan benefit. Um, and so being vegan and like and liking leather it's a bit like contradicting but i'm trying to navigate this as i said i don't have all the answers yeah i I can imagine that's that's slightly difficult um but yeah uh, i i don't know rope work has never really done much for me but i can see the beauty in it and and as, as you say it's 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 a hug it's 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 also a piece of art, some of the work I've seen, when people really do like proper um, rope work where it's, it's so intricate, it's, it's, it's quite something. And I can imagine that whole process as either the person doing it or receiving it is, is quite intimate. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's very intimate. It doesn't always have to be sexual. So like, mm, uh, I like tying up. So in the past year, uh, I haven't really been dating much. I haven't really been like, you know, like going out there. But I have been like, almost religiously, I have been like spending a couple of hours a week, uh, like a week to work myself. So it is something like, it's, it's a sort of like an art. But at the same time, it's not like, it's not like, okay, so I'm just going to tie again, I'm going to keep you like this, and you know, you, you have to stay there. It's like, it's a whole process. It's a sort of like, you're using, I'm using uh, the rope as a medium. We have like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a sort of conversation. It's kind of like, you know, um, it's a mean of conversation. It's like the language. Um, and uh, it is really, really beautiful. There's also like the part of the restriction as well in it. And um, yeah, I, I, it was the, the first time that I saw it, I'm like, yeah, here we are, here I arrived. It's, it's nice when you find something that really, where you just feel like this is home for me. This this is this is my kink. This is where I feel attractive, uh, attracted to, um, and I want to learn more about. Um, so so that's really nice, especially in in. I, I think at least for me in early sobriety, I had to relearn my kink a bit because I had to figure out what was the drug taking and what was me. Um, 
so there's definitely things I'm relearning now and, and starting to love again. Um, so it, it must be lovely to find something that really tickles your fancy, if you could say. Um, in the beginning, you know, while I was, when I first started uh, trying to experiment with King while I was using, uh, it was all about me not being there. It's all, it was all about me like being absent. It was like, let's meet and you can do whatever you want to do. Because, you know, already I am not really there. Um, when it comes to think now, it's the exact opposite. And it's, how to put this? It's kind of like if you're, if you're revisiting like a place that you were, like a city that you've been to and, you know, and it's kind of like scary and weird and then you revisit it, you know, when you are sober, when you have like a better company, you go like, oh my god, this is actually beautiful. And I don't know, there's something really, really beautiful about, uh, and, and magical, if, if I can use this word, about uh, redefining who you are and being able to say like this part of me was the sick part of me. And this part is like, it's actually something that I enjoy regardless. For X, Y reasons, like I'm not, I'm not getting so much into the, you know, why you doing this sort of like, you know, part of, uh, of trying to explain things, it's just there. And being able to still not refuse yourself the pleasure of engaging to it just because, you know, you changed, you know, your, your habits or, you know, your, your drug taking. I, I find that this is like the most fascinating part. When I first came, like I, I said it before, and I'm probably going to say it another thousand times, when I first came to recover, the whole reason that I, that I stayed sober was because I wanted to live my best life. And Keith has always been like a part of my life. Maybe not in that sense, and maybe, you know, because of my other habits, it was taking me down like a you know, weird road. But he was always there. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, it, it, it overshadows your fetish life and, and, and hopefully when people come out of it they can re-engage with it and actually enjoy it for what it actually really is and not being overshadowed by something quite uncomfortable and, and yeah absolutely absolutely and uh, also you know it has a lot to do with the partners that you choose so, you know, back in the day, there was like, you know, there was, as I said before, there was zero consent, and which is like, you know, it's like, it's a cornerstone of, like, you know, of, uh, of everything. Um, so back then, like, no one asked for consent. You know, I'm pretty sure, you know, that I was raped many times, you know, and mm. if I, you know, if I had, a little bit more of my mind, of my conscious back then, you know, I would have been able to maybe like see it, but I wasn't, but I didn't have it. So, um, now that I am here, I am able to choose my partners and I am able to, uh, to choose the people that I feel safe with to practice. Like my um, I 
I, I do go through these moments because, as I said before, uh, it's been like a really long year. So, like, you know, even these brief moments where you meet with someone, you know, where I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you know, and we, we spend like you know, a couple of hours, this can, you know, expand to, like, I can talk about uh, about this, like, for, for hours and hours. And I'm afraid that sometimes I become like too, too fear. It's a lovely thing when, when you have something you love and you really get into and you can almost be a little bit like a kid in a candy store when it comes to fetish, when it's someone you have a connection with or you're practicing like with rope work. Because um, it does require a lot of practice, I could imagine. Yes. We, we're coming to the end of our time. Um, and it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you uh, about these different things. I know you're a, a great, um, well, you, you host several meetings in, um, in Berlin as well, um, which is absolutely great. It's, it's great to give back to the community for the people who help you to get to where you are now. Um, if anyone's watched this and actually gotten something out of it and, and um, kind of connected with some of the stuff you said is there anywhere they can come in contact with you like instagram or twitter and so on on instagram you can find me as a psychomagnet because old habits die hard <laughs> um on christophy on facebook and also christophy on twitter fantastic thank you very much for coming on it's been an absolutely joy to talk to you Thank you, Ralph. Thank you very much for having me. And and, and hopefully, hopefully, I should be able to get to Berlin soon. Yay! Yeah. Come over, come over. Like sooner the yeah. weather. Like hopefully, the weather is going to get better soon, so we're going to be able to go up in the parks and just like you know, enjoy. Yeah, you, you, yeah. Berlin is beautiful in in spring and summertime. Absolutely. So there's so many open spaces there. Hope to see you soon. So, hope to see you soon as well. Thank you very much Thank for coming. You. And that was Christo. I'll see you again in two weeks time where I am will be heading to Chicago to talk to one of my uh, friends from there. And it will be the last episode of the season, unfortunately, but there will be news coming after that. So thank you very much and see you in two weeks. Yeah.